so we'll be doing indigo that day we had to leave it midway so we'll be doing indigo very important okay so the value based questions also very important and it deals with the champaran movement the backdrop of indigo is the champaran movement and how gandhi ji got the direction regarding how to fight the most powerful empire in the world okay about the british empire it was said that the sun never sets in the british empire and india won independence through non violent means which if you think of it it was something really unbelievable amazing okay and that was through civil disobedience and how gandhi ji got the idea that civil disobedience has to be the way to fight the british we'll be reading about that okay so uh, this is written by louis fisher and he says that uh, he had visited sevagram ashram gandhi ji's ashram and gandhi ji in fact are the children finding it a problem so let me just check nobody said anything okay. uh, he had visited sevagram his ashram in sevagram and that was 1942 the time when quit in india movement began so gandhi was generally talking to louis fisher louis fisher was a great admirer of gandhi the writer of this passage so he said that i'll tell you how in fact you know i thought about fighting the british and it began in 1917 so gandhi said that he had gone for the annual congress convention okay a big meeting in lucknow and he, there he met a person whose name was rajkumar shukla he was an illiterate peasant an illiterate fa farmer and he just came to if you others are joining in shita devanshi gorakshi shita okay all right so he said that i uh, had gone to the lucknow convention in 1917 in 16 1916 and i met rajkumar shukla Okay, he was from Champaran, and Rajkumar Shukla was an illiterate peasant. He came to Gandhi and he said, "Look, we are facing a lot of problems in Champaran, and you must come to Champaran with me." So Gandhi had never heard the name of Champaran. Later on, he came to know it is a small place, you know, near in the foothills of Himalayas. And uh, this Rajkumar Shukla, he had come to the convention. and he was talking to everybody he was illiterate but he was talking to everybody telling them the problem they were facing in champaran and somebody told him that you just go and talk to gandhi so he went to gandhi and he spoke about it and once he met gandhi he was very adamant he was in fact very stubborn about one thing he said you have to come to champaran so gandhi from there he went to kanpur rajkumar shukla went to kanpur along with gandhi Gandhi went to his ashram Rajkumar Shukla followed him to his ashram okay with one refrain come to champaran okay so gandhi was finally really impressed by the tenacity 
of this man a poor illiterate farmer and the kind of tenacity you know sticking to his guns sticking to in fact what he wanted that determination he was really impressed by that so he said look i'll be coming to calcutta on this this particular date so you can just come to calcutta and take me to champaran from there gandhi arrived in calcutta and rajkumar shukla was already there waiting for him okay come to champaran so both of them then they set off and they first went to dr rajendra prasad's house okay in patna Dr Rajendra Prasad was the person who later on became the first president of India very illustrious man a great barrister okay and belonged to a very rich family like Dr Rajendra Prasad and Jawaharlal Nehru they were almost like royalty okay all these people most of the great freedom fighters they belonged to rich families uh, but um, Dr Rajendra Prasad and Nehru they were in fact very very affluent rich families i think barring a few like uh, lal bahadur shastri he belonged to a very poor family otherwise most of them they belong to affluent families rich families so they went to his house and the servants knew rajkumar shukla children you can well imagine if a person rajkumar shukla if he has come to gandhi in lucknow okay and he was pestering him that you come to champaran how much he must have pestered dr rajendra prasad telling him about the problem in champaran so they knew him so they said that uh, dr rajendra prasad was not there at that time so they said that you can stay in the ground in the house okay in front of the house could they could stay in the ground but they were very particular about one thing they said that this man they couldn't recognize gandhi and gandhi was dressed like a peasant himself so they said that he's not going to touch the well because people were very particular about the caste at that time the caste system was very rigid then even now it's there but not that rigid so uh, they were very particular about that so they both of them they agreed and from there they went to muzaffarpur gandhi actually had to meet some of the lawyers the problem was that rajkumar shukla told him the problem in champaran but gandhi himself was a lawyer when he started asking the details you know rajkumar shukla being illiterate he couldn't really answer his questions he wanted to meet the lawyer to actually get more information about the situation in champaran so he was met by jb kriplani and he stayed in the house of professor malkani now gandhi was a supporter of home rule at that time uh, the indians were not fighting for freedom it was just home rule which they demanded and home rule said that in fact you know give a little more respect to the indians and a little more dignity and you know um, better pay the jobs because at that time you know if an indian and a british they were doing the same job the british of course used to get a much much higher salary than the indians and uh, you must have seen in movies also you know, indians and dogs not allowed in certain places so that kind of indignity heaped upon the indians that had to go so they were just demanding that so uh, somebody in fact you know supporting a person who was with the home rule who was supporting the home rule like gandhi that was a very daring thing to do people in the small communities they were afraid to in fact you know support 
extend their support for such people. But J.B. Kriplani, he showed courage. And Professor Malkani, Gandhi stayed in his house. Professor Malkani was a government school teacher. Government school teacher, children? British government school teacher. And he, in fact, asked Gandhi to stay with him. So it was, in fact, a very brave thing to do. Now, Gandhi met the lawyers. The lawyers told him about the different cases filed by the peasants. And they told him also about the size of the fees they were charging. And Gandhi scolded them. What's given here is chided them. He scolded them. He said that you are charging too high a fees from these people, from the poor peasants. And Gandhi also told one more thing. That, you know, we can go on filing cases. They can go on filing cases. But nothing is going to come out of it. The reason is that they don't have the courage. They have to show courage. Unless they learn to show courage, nothing is going to come out of it. They can never win this battle. Uh, children, if we just hear about it, it might seem like a vague idea. But actually, it was very important. You must have seen children in movies. You must have heard certain things like, you know, uh, the witness turning hostile. Somebody is banking completely on a witness about some case and the last minute the witness says, I don't know anything. I've not seen anything. It's a very common thing. The reason for this is fear. So the uh, peasants, they might file the case, then they might withdraw the case. So Gandhi was talking about that, that they have to show courage unless they don't learn courage. And obviously, you know, they were very weakly placed against the British. The British belonged to the most powerful empire in the world. Okay. It was often said that the sun never sets in the British empire. They had colonies all over the world. Very, very powerful. So uh, then he went to, from there, he went to Motihari. Okay. He, and before that, of course, he tells us what exactly the problem was in Champaran. In Champaran, this sharecropping system was there. The land was owned by the British landlords. Okay. And the Indian farmers, the poor Indian farmers, they were the sharecroppers. They used to farm in those lands. And they were supposed to submit in 15% of the land. They were supposed to grow indigo, meal. Okay. They were supposed to grow indigo. And money was actually there in indigo. And that indigo, which they grew in 15% of the land, they had to give it to the British landlords as rent. Okay, as lagan. They had to give it to the British landlords. That was the arrangement. And the farmers were okay with the arrangement. Okay, whether they like it or not, but they were okay. This is the arrangement. They were following it. The British landlords, all of a sudden, they said that, you know, you are finding this arrangement a little irksome, a little bothersome, troublesome. So what you can do is you just give us compensation in the form of money, of course, and you can keep the indigo. They don't have to give the indigo. They just had to give the compensation. So some of the farmers agreed. Most of the farmers, they did not agree. They were all very poor. So they said that you take the indigo. Fair enough. When they never refused to give the indigo. They wanted the same system to continue. The British landlords, they got the thugs and had them beaten up. So the entire thing was very unfair. They never said no to the indigo, to submit the indigo, which was the actual arrangement. And then the reality came to the fore. The farmers came to know what exactly had happened. 
Then they realized that Germany had already manufactured synthetic indigo. So this indigo was not required. So basically the British landlords, they were fooling them. That give us compensation in return and you can keep the indigo. So there the protest began. The farmers began protesting. They demanded compensation and the British, in fact, they were forcing them to pay the money. And that kind of scenario was there. Total unrest. This, is, this was the scenario there. And at that time, Gandhi came to Champari. Okay. He came to Motihari and he went to the Association of Landlords because he wanted more information about everything. There, you know, the person started bullying Gandhi and he said, you leave Champaran immediately. Gandhi said, why should I leave Champaran? And he also said that, why should I give any information to an outsider? Gandhi said, in my own country, I'm not an outsider. Okay. Then he set up headquarters in Motihari and started finding out about the different cases. And then Gandhi heard that and children, you know very well, bullying wouldn't work with Gandhi. For a person who used to go to jail so often, wasn't really, he wouldn't be bullied. Not a person to be really afraid of bullying. So he heard that a person, a peasant, a poor peasant had been badly manhandled, beaten up by the authorities in a remote village. So he set off on uh, elephant back to see that villager. As he was going, on the way, he was served with an official notice okay, from the magistrate, which said, leave Champaran immediately. Now, Gandhi signed the notice, received it, but he wrote, I will not leave Champaran. Now, you are not supposed to write anything on the official notice. He did that. And of course, he was determined that he wouldn't be leaving Champaran. The next step, children, as we all know, would be that he would go to jail. Now, children, going to jail was not really a problem with Gandhi. It wasn't a problem for anybody. In fact, children, pre-independence India, lots of people used to go to jail. Gandhi all the time was in jail, most of the time. Going to jail, children, at that time was a status symbol. So there's nothing to be afraid of going to jail. That was a very great thing at that time, you know. People used to say very proudly, Mere mama jail mein hai, and all that, okay? So going to jail was not really anything to be afraid of. Obviously, Gandhi was not afraid of going to the jail. What really worried Gandhi was that he was the only educated person supporting the sharecroppers. He was the only one standing with the sharecroppers and supporting them and helping them. There's absolutely nobody else. He was worried about that. He didn't want to go to jail at that point of time. So that night, he wrote to the ashram, wrote to his ashrams, giving them all the instructions regarding what had to be done in his absence. Obviously, he was mentally prepared. He would have to go to jail. He had to go to jail. I mean, he knew that. And he also wrote to Dr. Rajendra Prasad. And he said that come to Champaran immediately with some of your influential friends. Okay. And the next day, he knew very well that he would be arrested. If he would be arrested, he would go to jail. What would happen to the movement? No idea. The peasants again, you know, uh, would be totally, in fact, you know, without a leader, rudderless. The next morning, something very, very surprising happened. In fact, entire town of Motihari was full of peasants. Now, these people, they didn't know 
who exactly was Gandhi. They didn't know about Gandhi's record in South Africa or anything. They just knew that a Mahatma has come to help us and he's in trouble. So on bullock carts and on foot, you know, they just came there to Motihari. That we have to help him. How? Nobody knew. Nothing. They just came. Now when there was such a huge crowd of peasants, one thing was for sure. It wasn't easy to arrest Gandhi. Okay, with so many supporters, with so many peasants there. So obviously, you know, these people, they would have gone against the authorities at that time. So it wasn't easy. So Gandhi knew very well that it wasn't easy to arrest him now. So Gandhi, in fact, you know, helped the police regulate the crowds rather. Okay, knew very well he can't be arrested. So said, Bhai dharao, dharao, and he was helping them to regulate the crowd. Then he said that, why aren't you arresting me? started demanding that why aren't you arresting me knew fully well he couldn't be arrested okay with this huge crowd obviously they would have gone unruly had he been arrested so he said that my problem is that i am actually facing a conflict of duties on one hand as a good citizen as a law-abiding citizen i don't want to break the law okay i am not evading arrest or anything have I made a mistake? Yes. Should I be arrested? Yes. So why you aren't, you are not arresting me? My problem is that I'm facing this conflict of duties. On one hand, I'm not supposed to break the law. On the other hand, I have to listen to the voice of my conscience. Okay. And my conscience says that I have to support the sharecroppers. I have to support the poor peasants. Okay. Children, just be careful about one thing. The pronunciation is conscience, okay? Not conscience, though the spelling is conscience, okay? So, uh, this is what happened. Finally, Gandhi went to court. Now, the magistrate told Gandhi that I'm giving you two hours, 120 minutes, I'm giving you two hours and submit the bill. I'll leave you on bail. Gandhi himself was a lawyer. He said, no, I'm not giving any bail. He refused. The magistrate released him without bail. So you can imagine, children, it was a huge moral victory for Gandhi and also the peasants. I mean, they knew very well that if a person went to court, an Indian, he would be arrested. He would go to jail. Gandhi came out. Yes. He was asked to submit bail. He refused. And the magistrate released him without bail, which was a very strange thing which happened. So something which usually did not happen. But he also told one more thing. He said that I'll reserve the judgment for later. The judgment, final judgment would be given later. And now children, we all know what the final judgment would have been. Gandhi would go to jail. We know that very well. He would have gone to, he would have gone to jail. So then by that time, Dr. Rajendra Prasad, he came with some of his influential lawyer friends, Maulana Mazrul Haq and Bridge Kishore Babu and a few others. And they discussed the entire matter, the entire case with Gandhi. So they told Gandhi that we are here to help you, to advise you. And we'll be doing that. Okay. So they would do their best to ensure that Gandhi wouldn't go to jail. So, and then Gandhi said, if, if I go to jail, he said, if you go to jail, then of course there would be nothing to do, right? 
they would help him. They would ensure that they did everything so that he wouldn't go to jail. But even in spite of that, if he went to jail, there was nothing to do. Gandhi said, fine, I'll go to jail. What about the sharecroppers then? So these people, they withdrew for a little while and then they discussed the entire thing. And they thought that this man, he has come from such a far off place. Okay, Gandhi was living in Gujarat, in Sabarmati Ashram. He had come from such a far off place to help the sharecroppers. We live here locally and we claim that we help the poor, we serve the poor and we won't do anything for them. So they all went to Gandhi and they said that if you go to jail, we will go to jail with you. We are ready to go with, to jail with you. And Gandhi said, the battle of Champaran is won. Okay. The reason, this is a very important question. Why did he say that the battle of Champaran is won? He's the only educated person supporting the poor, illiterate sharecroppers. Now there are so many to help him. Okay. And now he knew that he has managed to get the support of these influential people, of these illustrious people, Dr. Rajendra Prasad, Mazul Haq, Bridge Kishore Babu, all these people. And he said, the battle of Champaran is won, right? So in fact, you know, there you see Gandhi, the, in fact, you know, Gandhi emerged as the master strategist. He took out a paper and a pencil and he wrote the names of all of the people present there, all the lawyers present there in pairs. Two people's name, then two more people's name in pairs. He wrote down the names. The idea was that just two people would go and do all the work required, collect all the evidences, do whatever work was required. Rest of them, they would be at home doing the rest of the work. Okay. Because they had to file a lot of cases, collect evidences, all these things. Those two people would be arrested, then two more would come out. And they would go about collecting the evidences. Those two would be arrested, two more would come out. Okay. So it's not that all of them went out together, all of them would be arrested, all of them would go to jail, and then there would be nobody. Okay. So there, you know, you can see the master strategist there something really admirable, the plan that he drew out. So that was actually what was really wonderful about Gandhi. Always a plan A and a plan B ready. Yes. So throughout, you know, there would be someone to support the sharecroppers. This was the plan. Now he got a written. So all this was there and they were doing the work. And at that time he got a written communication okay from the left governor saying that the case against you has been dropped a real stunning thing that happened okay amazing thing i mean a person who was supposed to be arrested he was asked to submit bail he refused to submit bail he was allowed to go without bail the judgment was reserved for later and then the case was dropped so civil disobedience saw its first victory, first triumph in India. He refused to obey the law and still he was allowed to be free. He didn't go to jail. Okay. So civil disobedience saw its first victory in India with that. Later on, Gandhi realized that this has to be the way. Civil disobedience. This law is not my law. This is the British law. And I don't have to obey everything about the law. 
okay which in gist was civil disobedience okay the highest point of this civil disobedience was children the salt satyagraha you've read about it so uh, this went on and you know then all of them of course they came out to collect all the evidences and they all went to different villages collecting the evidences and a mountain of evidences against the british landlords was collected the entire area throbbed with with activity you know with these people going to different villages and collecting the evidences so the people must have really enjoyed you know that okay today here they are here tomorrow they are there and all the people you know gathering around them very happy telling about the different instances so this was happening there then gandhi got a letter from the lieutenant governor he wanted to meet gandhi again you know he was mentally prepared now definitely he would go to jail so again you know he uh, talked to everybody all the lawyers present and in fact he drew out plans about what had to be done if he went to jail he wrote to his ashram also and everything was done there there also the plan be ready he'll go to jail he's going there maybe he won't come back straight away he'll go to jail so this was what had to be done in his absence so he went to meet him and uh, the lieutenant governor in fact he called some of the landlords also the representatives of the landlords and gandhi was the person who was the sole representative of the peasants he was alone representing all the peasants of champaran so entire discussion was there and the evidences were presented the landlords were just not ready to you know give any compensation that kind of thing so after that the lieutenant governor he finally said that okay fine all said and done injustice has been done with the indian sharecroppers and compensation has to be paid how much compensation that you will decide okay the british actually if you see children they were very fair people you know he didn't say that he didn't support the british landlords just because they were british so all the evidences everything and he said that injustice has been done the sharecroppers and compensation has to be paid now the question arose that how much compensation had to be paid okay 100% obviously nobody would pay they wouldn't they wouldn't pay so gandhi said 50% of the compensation okay there you can see the master strategist at work again okay so he said you pay 50% of the compensation and gandhi was very adamant there you know he was very stubborn there that you have to pay 50% of the compensation the landlords they had this idea of prolonging it that okay we'll just go on discussing and finally we will not pay anything if anybody asks us we'll say that no no of course we are ready to pay it's just that the discussions are on okay this could go on and on so a deadlock would be there that means the talks don't progress from there so they said the landlord said that no we won't pay 50% compensation we are ready for 25% and gandhi said done pay 25% now what happened the landlords they said 25% gandhi didn't say 25% and he agreed now pay the 25% no one would think that okay just 25% gandhi later said that the amount was not that important as the fact that the british in fact they had to submit part of the money 
and part of their prestige. They were British landlords, okay? And they belonged to the greatest empire, the most powerful empire. And these poor peasants, illiterate peasants, the Indians, they lost to them. It was something very insulting for them. So the first thing here, why Gandhi agreed to this 25%, he understood very well what's going on. He wanted to break the deadlock. Not that the talks go on and on and they don't arrive at any conclusion. Okay. The first part is he wanted to break the deadlock and he also said that the British landlords, they had to submit part of their money and also part of their prestige. Okay, part of their respect. They lost to the Indians. They lost to the poor Indian farmers. Okay, so if this question comes, you'll write both the things, children. The deadlock, he wanted to break the deadlock. And he also said that the British landlords had to submit part of their money and also part of their prestige. Okay, now uh, this was done. And then he says that the Indian farmer then he learned courage in a way you know the Indian farmer realized that he had rights he could fight and he could win earlier they did not have this confidence at all in fighting being pitched against the people who belonged to the most powerful empire in the world the British okay they were the rulers how could one in fact think of winning they just had to lose, but they won against them. So the Indian farmer, he realized that he has rights, right? And it was a victory for them. He learned courage. The British landlords, in fact, you know, they just couldn't swallow this defeat. It was so humiliating for them. Finally, they left their estates and went away. And the land came back to the farmers it came, came to the farmers so this sharecropping it came to an end in Champaran yes so Gandhi in fact you know his plan was to sit, stay for a few days in Champaran he had just come because Rajkumar Shukla wanted him to come he finally agreed why did he agree we know that children he pestered him so much he went on following him went to Kan Gandhi went to Kanpur Rajkumar Shukla went to Kanpur with him. Gandhi went to his ashram. He followed him to his ashram and he was just going on insisting that you come to Champaran and you give me a date. Finally, when Gandhi came to give him the date that, okay, I'll be coming to Calcutta and you take me from there to Champaran. He's already there waiting in Calcutta for him. So he came because of the request of Rajkumar Shukla. His initial plans were that he'll stay for a few days. He stayed for a year in Champaran. Okay. And this was the famous Champaran movement, a turning point in the history of our struggle for freedom, a glorious chapter in the history of India. So uh, it was, okay, Samya is saying, it was better to accept 25% than to risk losing it by trying to attain, attain full refund. Yes, right. A burdened hand is worth two in the bush. Absolutely right. That's the reason why he agreed. Because, you know, the plan of the British landlords was that, let it continue. We'll just say that, okay, we have not refused. It's just that, you know, the talks are in progress. So it would have been a de deadlock or impasse, you know, where 
the talks go on and on and there's no conclusion there's no end to it so when he agreed to 25% that was a very very smart move by gandhi i didn't say 25% you said 25% now pay they had to pay their plans were not to give a single penny then who were they poor indian farmers illiterate and we would be giving money to them no way that was their plan they had to give the money so that was the thing you know that's what he says that they had to submit part of their money and part of their prestige so he did the right thing by agreeing to that 25% okay first he said 50% seemed to be very adamant the british landlords thought that he wouldn't agree he would go on insisting on the 50% he didn't okay so finally the result was that the share cropping came to an end okay and the land went came to the peasants the poor peasants and the poor peasants they learned courage they saw that they had rights okay so gandhi finally stayed in uh, champaran for nearly a year okay and gandhi in fact you know the political problem was solved champaran share cropping also was over finally the peasant in fact they had their lands they could in fact grow the crops that they wanted but then he stayed back in champaran because he saw that there was so much of social and cultural backwardness in champaran and something had to be done about it okay so he asked some people to come and volunteer as teachers so mahadev desai a person called mahadev desai and narhari parik these two people they came to champaran along with their wives and six primary schools were opened in the district of champaran now just six primary schools in the district of champaran was actually too less but still at least a beginning was made and children these people they are real unsung heroes rajkumar shukla mahadev desai narhari parik later on a doctor also came whose name is not mentioned okay with no money nothing they didn't come for money and they volunteered their services so they really did a lot okay so they came along with their wives and they taught the children and also kasturba gandhi gandhi ji's wife and his son devdas gandhi they also came to serve the people there okay then you know gandhi asked for a doctor to come there a doctor volunteered his services he came there and just three medicines were given at that time okay so uh, castor oil sulfur ointment for skin eruptions and quinine for the malaria so if we actually think about it just one small dispensary for the entire district and just three medicines not really enough but at least again a beginning was made so uh, this is uh, what exactly was there and also kasturba gandhi taught the women the rules of cleanliness okay ashram cleanliness which was followed there in their ashram she taught that gandhi noticed the filthy clothes that the women were wearing and he told kasturba to talk to them so kasturba gandhi in fact spoke to the women and she told the women that you keep your clothes in a box and all that so one of the women you know she took kasturba gandhi to her house and 
previously these people were very poor and she said that the sari that i'm wearing is the only one i have and you asked me to keep all the clothes in the box so they realized how much of poverty was actually there so uh, and in the meantime gandhi he was staying in champaran stayed back in champaran for some more time he went on writing to his uh, ashram also what all had to be done in the ashram so in fact you know he used to keep in touch with everything which was going around and gandhi's politics in fact if you just talk about gandhi children gandhi's politics was not in fact any loyalty to any abstraction it was a loyalty to people and their problems abstract idea children abstractions suppose children uh, we say that uh, people say that okay bharat mata ki jai right who is bharat mata no one we just give a lot of respect to the land land is everything 